0: So there are films that are absolutely incredible, but they're still overrated because everyone calls them perfect or everyone calls them the best. But there is a small handful that I don't think you can overrate them. And Goodfellas is one of those movies that I think is impossible to overpraise unless you go way out there and say it cured cancer or something. I, I think him as a director at the height of his powers when it comes to style, when it comes to portraying very disparate characters and giving them incredible chemistry with each other, uh, giving them a real sense of community, and having the audience feel that. And on top of that, you have kind of the fun action violence that he's most famous for. Um, everything comes together in this movie. No, it's just it's, it's perfect. I'm sorry. Good Fellows is perfect.
1: Hi everyone! Welcome to another episode of a podcast directed by. So we on our on our last movie uh, of our first Scorsese month. So we are of course talking about Goodfellas. We are in 1990 now, uh, with I guess at at this point probably his his opus. I guess Scorsese opus, which everyone thinks like, oh, Goodfellas. This is the one people are looking forward to. So Mike, don't disappoint them. (laughs) This is (laughs) I'm putting this all on you.
2: Well, no, it's like we're being dismissive of Taxi Driver, Rachel Bull. Like, oh, no, this is the Last Temptation of Christ. Nope, no one cares. Don't need it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I assume this is a movie you've seen dozens of times. This is a movie I have rewatched a lot. This was a big favorite of mine when I was in high school. Um, I don't know, maybe because of the mobster aspect, because of the Italian aspect, uh, because it's De Niro and Pesci and Scorsese, like it's... Scott, got kind of got it all. So is this a movie you've uh, rewatched a lot as
2: well? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've rewatched it enough for it to become like, uh, you know, like, uh, unfortunately Scarface or what? say fight club, like a poster in a dorm room where yeah. I've made it like sort of my like lifestyle to like quote goodfellas to people mm-hmm. or, and, um, it's always existed as just a great movie for me. Um, mm-hmm. I've watched it more than, say, like, The Godfather. Hmm. But, you know, those, they sit as like, okay, these are the, you know, The Godfather I guess, one and two, you know, whichever, take your your pick there. Uh, Or Goodfellas. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to play the hipster card and say I will take the conversation over The the Godfather too. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's a great movie. Don't
1: get me wrong. Conversation is great. It just, it hurts my heart because this is a... These are movies that uh, I watched with my father because he's, you know, 100% Italian. So very much a big fan of The Godfather. Like he used to teach a family values course at his high school. and would make his kids watch Godfather, which I thought was pretty great. Um, And, you know, it's one of those things when you talk Godfather 1, Godfather 2, the conversation, I guess. uh, Goodfellas. (laughs) These are all so fantastic that like the, the difference between them is so thin. That it's like, you like one of those four movies better than the others, that's fine. But they're all great. Uh, I'm not going to be the hipster and be like, you know it's not that good? Goodfellas. Eh, it's
2: not that great. You know, overrated, this
1: Goodfellas by Scorsese.
2: <laughs> I mean, could be, uh, depending on when you come to it. Because if, if a movie could be overrated, along with, like, Godfather, uh, this one, you know, this would be one. Because I... I only say that in the sense that because everyone says met... it's perfect, you know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if I've ever met anyone who has actually disliked Goodfellas. So yeah, I guess it's not overrated to me, but it's certainly highly regarded by like every human on the planet. So there's mm-hmm. got to be one one person. I'll, I'll look on Wikipedia who who didn't like this movie. <laughs> who went on record? Saying there's that? there's always one.
1: Yeah, so this movie I think is even though we just got through. Talking about The Last Temptation of Christ, this is probably the movie of his that has the broadest scope in terms of amount of time, in terms of not amount of time as far as like the length of the movie, because that would go to your favorite New York, New York. Uh, but Really
2: good. But just in I terms can't wait of like. I to do our rankings. I really can't wait to do
1: the rankings. <laughs> but this movie does take take place over many decades of, of this person's life. So we have this big, broad scope, uh, which I, I think is handled very well. I think it's something that with a lesser director, sometimes you can kind of lose track of where we are in time, but I don't think you ever lose track of that in Goodfellas. You always know, whether it's based on the music or based on the the costume design or what's going on in the world, you always kind of know where you sit uh, in terms of time with Goodfellas.
2: I mean, it's not exactly uh, procedural, but it it's about as close as Scorsese gets one as far as like, here's how this particular, you know, segment of crime in this area worked with this family. Like we're going to take you through. And I mean, it's, I think with most people, like a procedural is like about one case, right. But it's like a case study on this family. Like it's a kid who is across the street from them. And is like, I want to be a part of that, whatever that is. And then we, we kind of learn with him with a little bit of, you know, jumping ahead to the more interesting bits. Um, it's, so it's, I mean, obviously this one like inspired the Sopranos, uh, I think in that regard, much more than something like the Godfather, even though I think the characters in the Sopranos would probably rather see themselves as characters in the Godfather than this, cause these, <laughs> uh, Goodfellas is the blue collar version of Godfather for sure. Yeah. And I, um,
1: I like what you brought up about, you know, seeing it from Henry's perspective, like growing up across the street. And I think the, the real advantage that that offers is that you don't really understand who is above them until it's too late. Just like yes. just like they don't, mm-hmm. uh, because through most of the movie, you're just like, oh, well, these guys are the badasses. Like he keeps saying, like, we took what we want. We did what we want. You know, no one said shit to us, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you have this whole plot line with with Tommy, with Joe Pesci's character who kills the wrong guy. And it doesn't end up great for Tommy by the end of the movie. So I like the fact that we don't really realize, like, until that moment, till he kills him, you're just like, oh, it's a made guy. And then I love that they go from that to, like, there's no question. They back up their friend and they help him kill this guy, knowing that, like, oh, this could end badly for all of us. And it just shows that that moment of, you know, we've gone too far now. You know, there's nothing we could do. You know, if they beat the shit out of a made guy, they're probably still going to get killed anyway. So I guess we're just going to stomp this guy on the floor and then hide the body. So I like the fact that it's not like these guys are untouchable. Like you realize pretty quickly, like, oh, there's someone above these guys, even though they've done what they want their entire lives.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it's the only way you're going to sort of reprimand the audience, like sort of the the classic, uh, you know, crime cinema where you know the bad guys had to lose as much fun as you have with them they have to die in the end or you know they go jail usually they die um here i mean i like that that we start with that uh so the way that we see this sort of brutal act through the trunk we don't really have the context for it but you're introduced to guys who apparently can do whatever the fuck they want like that's uh and so there's a vicarious thrill with that um i always compare this one to boogie nights which is a film i prefer i guess just because i'd (laughs) i'd rather just have a family involved in the porn industry than i would you know killing or racketeering anything like that um but boogie Nights doesn't work i think if you uh open with it already being right on the precipice of like the downfall like because you know that's it's there's still something sexy about even the downfall of gangsters because like, they're still doing gangster shit. It's but just don't you think it also works?
1: Scene. It also works here because I think at that point you don't know that that's their downfall. Right? That opening is just like, oh, they, they killed somebody in the trunk of a car. They're, they're gangsters.
2: I, I mean, yeah, but I think there's there's still something more brutal and off-putting about it than them just like shooting someone. Right? Like it's, it's someone who's still alive in their trunk yeah. and they stab them and... And I mean, I, I don't think that it's very pointed that he slams the door on this presumably now dead body that they've just had to, you know, it's a go back again. Yeah. And you know, all my life, you know, I want to be a gangster. That you know, he's so you're you're like okay. So I think I've seen the worst. You you're right though. You don't know it's the worst yet or the start of the worst, but it's certainly not them flashing cash or getting the best seat in the house for that. So. Um, you know, in that regard, Scorsese, you could learn a lesson from PTA, you know, seven years later, yeah. You know? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, you get the title and neon, you know, you start with a little dancing and you know, big, you know, it, Paul Thomas Anderson starts with his big camera move. You know, he's like, I'm gonna get it out of the way now, I'm gonna announce myself. Scorsese, he was comfortable, he's fat and happy, got his Jesus picture in, <laughs> whatever. So, all,
1: all downhill from here, man, it's fine.
2: Well, some people may say that after Goodfellas. I I don't know if it's a... um, It's funny, like, looking back over this list, like, if you have his Wikipedia page up, it's like the opening of the 90s is, like, after a decade of mostly mixed results, Gangster Epic Goodfellas was a return to form for Scorsese, which is unfortunate, given, like, all the pleasure I've derived from his stuff in the 80s. Um, And I guess for Wikipedia, whoever wrote that section, you know, Raging Bull not good enough (laughs) color of money wins oscars hit not good enough
1: i also think that you know that points to something that i've been noticing as we've done this podcast is that people have these expectations of directors to fit into a certain mold like scorsese is is these five things and when he shifts to the left or the right people are like well We need him to get back to form as this Wikipedia entry, you know, discusses (laughs) like who cares about Jesus. Get back to the mobsters like and that's unfortunate, I think,
2: you know, because I think we want a narrative that fits our particular viewpoint and (laughs) doesn't chide us for being lazy and sort of taking in the, the full works of an artist, which you and I can sit on the mountaintop and scold people because you've based a podcast basically around that. And, uh, you know, for better or worse, we're going to get through these damn things. But uh, strangely, the biggest uh, punishment you're receiving is that I'm, like, enjoying everything coming my way, even a damn musical that's almost three hours long. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we, you know, it makes it easier to talk about. And we also, like, you know, we want to be able to speak in shorthand. Like, as you said, that's Scorsese. Like, please just tell me what are the, like the top five things I need to watch and I can't be bothered if it goes past five, you know, yep. no more. Sorry, we're giving like you 20. Script. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, that was, you know, I, I probably would have stuck with 10, but that would have been a rough 10. There's no after hours. Then it, probably everyone would have been
1: really, really mad. Anyone who listens to the show would be like, how could you not include blank?
2: Like, I think you're going to get that the, uh, the second month with, uh, your expert, guest
1: no kundun ever All <laughs> i'm not watching that movie just out of spite at this point <laughs> it's just i'm sure it's very good
2: but i'm like fuck that movie no nope. <laughs> i refuse so how do we approach good man? man what, what what do you say about this one it's
1: tough because it's you know you know it's one of those issues of like well what do you say about it that hasn't been said already like yes all the performance in it, in it are fantastic. Whether you're talking about De Niro as Jimmy Conway, uh, you know Ray Liotta in our lead role, Joe Pesci, Loring Bracco, Paul Sorvino, I think is weirdly underrated in this movie. Like he's just a constant presence here. And growing up Italian, like you know, I didn't know any mobsters, but I knew guys like like Paul Cicero, like this just kind of hmm. looming, um, looming presence who can go from very friendly. Uh, all about family to terrifying in the space of about five seconds. And I think he plays that perfectly.
2: Yeah, you're going to have to take the lead more on this one because I I don't have any personal experience with anything about this life or this culture. And, uh, you know, for this particular film, I loved it when I first watched it. And I've loved it every time I've watched it since. There's, there's not been a like, oh, now that I'm in my 30s, there's no drop-off. Here's off. my Goodfellas take. Right. I mean, well, what's what's really changed? It's a, it's about a particular lifestyle that most of us talking about it will never experience. Hopefully, and it does it really yes. well. It's really entertaining. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Oh, I got one negative. I wish there was more of Scorsese's mom in the I Oh, she's I wish great. She had a few more scenes. She's,
1: yeah. that scene. Honestly, you could just watch that scene all on its own and be like this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. Like she is absolutely pitch perfect in that scene. And so is so is Joe Pesci. You know, like their interactions like I think are are pretty on point to like the kind of overprotective Italian mom. Like that that really fits and that really hits home. Um in terms of the the movie itself, um I do feel like it's it's one of those movies that it can be hard to talk about because I don't think it has any weak spots. I think it's a really challenging movie because you are essentially setting up your protagonist to betray everyone who you grow to love in this movie.
2: So your pro- Oh, okay. There's a different take. I don't love any of these people. Okay. <laughs> See, maybe
1: that's the, the difference between growing up Italian and not, is that, yes, these men are criminals, but most of these are personalities that I know very well. Um so they're familiar to me even if their their jobs are not familiar.
2: They make some bad business decisions. Yes. And ends up costing them. Mm-hmm. Like look, okay, so our main character, uh Henry here who is eventually going to go into witness protection and as you say betray all these great great Italian men. I said people so you much. love, I did not say great men. Do <laughs> <laughs> not put words in my mouth, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll go to the, the, Paul Servino character. Mm-hmm. He tells him, Hey, don't, don't mess with the drugs. You had to do that when you were in prison. I understand to survive, feed your family and all that. Don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. But he didn't, you know, he uses maybe valid excuses where it's like, he can't really help out too much cause there's too much heat on him or whatever. doesn't need the association. No, no eyeballs from the feds. Um, uh, but it still puts our main character and his family and in a particular predicament here, where they feel abandoned. So there's one mistake right there. Like, <laughs> either kill the guy or like you you know cut him off a little bit. You know give that him, give him a that bit check.
1: has me wondering. Every time I watch this, I've wondered, okay, is that just the perspective of the protagonist telling the story that he was actually abandoned, or that he wasn't? He didn't feel like he was living the exact same lifestyle as he was. There, beforehand. there is
2: that right because they've certainly stretched to a particular lifestyle and he's got mistresses you know up in the city and working for him and got sliding uh,
1: doors to open up to his tv and like everything you could ever want
2: (laughs) i love that you focus on that i was about to go with the babysitter uh drug mule and you went to the the sliding doors for the entertainment center (laughs) um and of course i mean you know the de niro character you really care if he's betrayed because he's already like plotting on how to kill him and his wife Henry and his wife like I don't care I don't care what happens to him like if he was gonna do it he should shot first take your shot <laughs> don't miss
1: I mean I think it's interesting that they they set they set up uh, Jimmy Conway de Niro's character in the beginning of this movie as kind of the hero to be looked up to right he's the one who goes to jail and then comes out and didn't say anything and congratulates Henry the first time he gets pinched and is like you know you learned the two most important lessons. Which it ends up, you know, he learned it as long as he was he didn't feel like he was in danger. Which I think is a really interesting uh, message that this film is positing. That like, yeah, it's easy to say, you know, you never rat on your friends until like maybe you have a family and maybe you feel like you you've been betrayed already. Then all bets are off. And Henry is willing to go into witness protection at that point. But when he was a kid, it's like he looked up to this guy and this guy is a hero. So, oh my God, I've finally been accepted into this world. Because beforehand, it's just like he was just kind of, you know, running around to different places for them and doing favors for them. And until he got pinched, then now that was the official kind of coming out party for him was he served his time and he didn't say anything. And it's interesting that by the end of the movie, even though you understand why he does it, I think he does go back on everything that he has said throughout the movie. Like all the lessons he claims to have learned when things got tough. Actually, he didn't learn them.
2: Well, uh I mean like many industries, you know, the mob changes. Like, you know, Amazon comes in and just destroys what they had set up, you know, people start talking. And we've seen it before in many a film, I mean, The Godfather where, you know, drugs come into play and that's sort of the downfall of it because the you know, the sentences they're going to serve uh, are life altering in the sense that that could be the end of their life. So at that point, well, fuck it. Then and also, many
1: people are getting high off of their own supply, and it's like you're not making good decisions then either because you are affected by the drugs you're taking. So you have to figure out like, am I going crazy or is that you know helicopter really following me all day? Like, so I, I think it's a, and I also think like you know, shout out to whoever was doing the makeup for this movie because uh, the scenes later in the movie where Ray Liotta is strung out and high out of his mind are very convincing like that's impressive
2: scorsese has a particular theme where it's like trust your uh instincts <laughs> like, yeah whether you be jesus or you're uh, always a right yeah travis pickle i guess i don't know like mm, um, that definitely worked that out seems dangerous <laughs> look it worked out okay <laughs> it, you know how he got there doesn't matter doesn't matter dave it's a good point uh,
1: so, who do you think stands out as the best performance in this movie?
2: Lorraine uh, Bracco. That's a good choice. She's tremendous um, here. Well, it's hard for me to distinguish, you know, between I, Joe Pesci is the most loud, um, certainly the most and memorable nervous. and quotable, and Ray Liotta is playing the straight man to a certain degree, uh, and Robert De Niro is playing like I guess, as you said, the sort of the cooler one uh, of at least the way he's introduced. Um, I don't know. I like I like Karen the way she's introduced when she stood up when she thinks this that is, is just like a that may, that
1: may be my favorite scene in the movie You got some nerve standing me up. Nobody does that to me. Who the hell do you think you are,
2: Frankie Valley, or some oh. kind of big shot? <laughs>
1: slow down, slow down, all right? I forgot. I thought it was next week. It
2: was Friday. It was this Friday. And you agreed, so you're a liar. <laughs> Come on. We can talk about this, all right? Take it easy. Talk about it? Talk to you
1: after what you just did to me? Forget it. I'm not talking to you oh, about anything. Wait a anything. second. I thought you were going to stand me up. You look bored. You didn't say anything. What do you expect? Hmm?
2: Let me make it up to Harry. I'll, I'll think about it. <laughs> I remember, she's screaming on the street, and I mean loud, but she looked good. I'll think about it. It's going to cost
1: you, a going to make it up. It's going to cost you a lot. She
2: had these great eyes, just like Liz Taylor's. At least that's what I thought. Actually, Yeah, I elbowed my wife and said, oh, I really like this scene coming up, and I think she thought, oh, someone's about to get shot, and instead Ray Leona is just getting, like, his balls busted <laughs> by this woman for him standing her up, and is like in that moment, totally infatuated and like into everything that she's spitting out. Yeah. And I understood
1: it. It's a great performance from her. And it's also a great silent performance from him in that sequence. Cause you see that well, kind of
2: smirk where he's like, Oh,
1: someone's actually going to call me on my shit. I'm kind of into this. Yeah.
2: Like. Yeah. Um, You know, and of course she, she becomes with the lifestyle there. And uh, she becomes a bit unhinged. You know, mm-hmm. she has used this man, and his violent tendencies and sort of his access to that, you know, reckless power that he has with this backing that he has from his, his associates. Uh, when this, this man, uh, makes a pass at her and gets a little, you know, handsy and, and uh, shoves her out of the car. <laughs> like Jesus. That seemed to be the thing that she really, which I guess is maybe more a product of the time. Cause I'm really hung up on the fact that he's probably like, Putting his hands on her in a you know a sexual manner, and yeah, of the time she's probably like and then he shoved me out of the car <laughs> like uh that seems to be what she's screaming about, um but yeah, and then you know the scene where she holds her husband at gunpoint um uh, for possibly and as we know, like cheating on her, um, and then it's like can't pull the trigger and then is left like on the, on the floor of the room, like screaming, I'm sorry. Just, I, I don't know. That's a difficult scene. It's very brutal. It's sort of a gut punch. Uh, Cause most of it is even in the downfall, most of it's kind of fun. Like everything Henry's doing is like, let's see how far over the line he can go. How much can he get away with that to me is the scene where I don't, you know, I want bad things to happen to him. Yeah, I th- we'll... I
1: totally agree. That's where, I mean, I think I think that's where you should turn on him. Uh, not only because, you know, he leaves her there on the ground screaming, but because up until that point, he's telling her, I love you, it's going to be okay, just put down the gun. Saying <laughs> all the
2: right things with guns in his face. And yes. as
1: soon as she lowers the gun, <laughs> he not only takes the gun away and throws her on the ground, but hits her. Like, it's like it's a lot to handle in that But She because... does have
2: a couple legitimate points there, which is, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I pretty much carry myself out on the streets thinking I'm going to get shot by anyone. And I come home and have to wake up to this now. Uh, I mean, he is he's cheating totally... on her though. I mean, yeah, he has totally done what she's accused of doing. And, uh, yeah, he's not apologizing for that. He's just like reprimanding her for like, you know, forcing him to deal with more gunplay in a life. When the other side of that coin is like, well, this is your lifestyle (laughs) that you've chosen. So you got to deal with this in the bedroom too. I don't know. I'm just talking myself more into the Karen Hill character. Very, very cool customer. I really like her. Like the cut of her jib, Dave. No, I I like her a lot. I think it's a really impressive
1: performance. Also, uh, you mentioned the Sopranos earlier. We have a kind of a a Sopranos star in this movie, Michael Imperioli, um, who played Christopher Moltisanti. And, Sopranos makes a very brief appearance before he is where is shot numerous times. Um, and I, but I think of course, hmm? it's Dr. Melfi. Yeah. Laurie Bur- yeah, absolutely. And I, but I think that scene is really important uh, to, to understanding Joe Pesci's character. Cause like you have up until that moment, you have this, this sentiment that like, he's an enjoyable guy to be around. He does certainly have a very violent temper, but like compared to everyone else, does he really? And that's, I think, the moment you realize where, you know, it's one thing to get upset when someone is mocking you for something that happened in the past and you feel like you can't control. But like this guy, this guy doesn't know anything. He's not connected. He's not. He's not a risk to you at all. And he just can't stand any level of being disrespected. <laughs> you fucking bullshit <laughs> of you. Tell the truth. You're looking for sympathy. Is that uh, it, sweetie? Why don't you
2: go fuck yourself, Tommy?
1: Oh,
2: fucking oh, right. oh! Oh! I fucking right. Don't believe what I just heard. Hey, Sparta, here. here. This is for you. boy. <laughs> <laughs> I got respect for this. He's got a lot of fucking balls. <laughs> good. good for you. Don't take no shit off nobody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, just, he shoots fun. him in the foot. He tells him to go
0: fuck himself. <laughs> 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 you, gonna, you gonna let him get away with
1: that?
0: You gonna let this oh, fucking
1: shit. punk get away with that? What's the world coming to? World is coming to? How do you like that? How's that, all right? What's the fucking matter with you? What's the what, fucking what, what fuck matter with you? What What's are you, the... stupid or what? Well,
0: Tom,
1: I'm kidding with you. What
0: the fuck are you doing? What are you a fucking fuck, sick right?
1: maniac? I don't know if you're kidding. What do you mean you're kidding? You're breaking my uh, fucking balls? I'm fucking kidding with you. you fucking shoot the guy? He's dead. Good shot. Good with shot. you miss it this distance? Well, you got a problem with what I did, Anthony? Oh,
2: no.
0: Hey, no. Fucking rat anyway.
2: His whole family's all rats. Would have grew
0: up he to says, be a rat. You stupid bastard. I can't fucking believe you. Now you're going to dig the fucking thing up. You're going to dig the hole.
2: You're going to do it. I got no fucking lime. You're no, going to do
1: fuck kids. I dig the fucking hole. I don't give a fuck.
2: Was the first hole I dug? First time I dug a hole, I dig the fucking hole. Like, where are the shovels?
1: So he shoots this guy in the chest like three times. And I love you even see everyone else's reaction. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, even, you know, De Niro at that moment is like, we're just, we're just joking. We're just busting your balls. You don't have to kill this kid. You know, and I think that that for me, that's the moment where I turn on Tommy, where it's like it is sad when Tommy is killed, because mainly because of how it affects everyone else. But in that moment, you're kind of like, well, you know, this is coming like this is not going to have a happy ending for well, this
2: guy. I'm, I'm not sad at all when Tommy <laughs> gets shot in the back there, because that is not a man who needs a license to do whatever he wants unless it's to another made guy like any anyone like you've already seen how he acts with someone that he thinks is is like subservient to him. So if you actually make it in their weird sort of rules and regulations where it's like, Oh, well yeah, he can do that to people. Cause he's a made guy like, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not sad in the slightest. I, I mean, he probably shouldn't have home. power. Yeah. You know, that's, that's about it. Yeah. So I guess
1: one of the most recognizable scenes in this movie is the scene that takes place in the prison with them all cooking in prison. Um, so what is it, What are your feelings on that segment? Cause that was one of the, when I first watched it, I was like, okay, is this all bullshit? Like, this doesn't seem—that's the only part of the movie, and I'm sure it happened, but that's the only part of the movie that just seems so outside of reality that I was just like, what do we? Why would you ever leave? That seems like a pretty good situation, you know? You're getting fresh food every day. You're all cooking together. Well, like a pretty good there's, life. There's
2: well, okay. So there's still tears to this, right? I mean, Henry Rayliota's character. He's the one bringing all that shit in, and his poor wife has to like bring it in. So, yeah, your your idol, Paul, there, is just like, he he just gets to bask in it. He gets to like, what is he cutting? Is like Uh, garlic? Garlic with the razor blade. Yep.
1: But Except he doesn't thin.
2: care how it got there; like it's not his concern. But he's he's super concerned about how thin it sliced, it's as like,
1: any good Italian man would be. You have to well, be concerned you know, with the just, garlic. But
2: yet again, Karen MVP bringing it home, making sure that they have bread. Well, and until she like flips out and almost
1: like loses everything. No
2: don't don't speak ill of karen like here, like she has a reason to flip out and she's not being appropriately compensated i don't think
1: well in that moment does henry have any control over who comes to visit him though i mean he is in jail (laughs) like
2: you're the worst dave you're just (laughs) simply the worst (laughs) i'm glad this is the end of Martin Scorsese Month Part 1 <laughs> before we get into Part 2. I can't wait to hear you know all the terrible things you say about Sharon Stone and Casino. Like, how you know, all her
1: that that'll be interesting because I don't think I've seen that movie since it was in the theaters. So I don't remember. Mm. Her. I mean, I remember there's a scene with a vice and that's about all I remember from
2: that movie. So that one, so. unlike Mean Streets 2 here, that was way too close to being Goodfellas 2 for you to give it a rewatch?
1: I I feel like I remember thinking that uh, and then, but I'm probably wrong. I feel like there's probably enough differences, but it, you know, you are bringing back a lot of the same cast in Casino. So it's hard to separate
2: that, you know, it's can't not- wait till we get to the Irishman to, to finish off yes, the trilogy.
1: <laughs> the yes. that's It's a lot.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But yeah, I mean, this movie is, it's just about perfect, honestly. Like, I think it's. It's so difficult to make a movie this long and this broad in scope without really any weak points. But I don't even think there's a bunch of scenes you could take out and be like, well, this is just as effective now. Like, I feel like all of it's needed. And I kind of love the ending that he doesn't get to go out in a blaze of glory. You know, he doesn't get his big moment. He just gets this depressing life in a suburb where he can't even get pasta anymore. Like, it's... Like, if you had asked Henry Hill when he was, like, 15 and first getting hooked in with these guys what the ultimate nightmare would be, I think this would be it. And now he has to live, live with that. And I like that we get the, like, postscript here that, like, two years after this, his wife leaves him. Because, like, it does make me think, like, you know, what was Karen getting out of that relationship? Was it just the excitement Because, like, it starts out with that moment with he gives her the gun that he beat this guy half to death with, Mm -hmm. and she's excited by it. She's turned on by the power and by the violence, and now that's totally gone. Like, that's disappeared from her life, and now she's left him. So, you know, I would be interested, actually, in, like, a pseudo-sequel to this movie, but in the way of, like, actually just have the point of view be completely from Karen's point of view. I think that would be a really interesting way to look at this movie.
2: Well, you know, I, I don't know. This year, Booksmart, The Kitchen, we've not had a good run with the the, the female perspective, Dave. So, and can you imagine? Can I mean, uh, we we shouldn't. Um, can you imagine can you the Bros' imagine reaction if we t- the Goodfellas bros on Twitter if they're like, hey, we're gonna do a Goodfellas like quasi sequel, but it's gonna be from Karen Hill's perspective. Yeah, it'd be a lot Just of anger. That yeah, still leaves this alone. Yeah, yeah, as much as I love her, I don't want I don't want anybody to, have to go through that.
1: Yeah, I don't want Lorraine Bracco to have to go through that either. Yeah, but I think you're right. That is probably the best performance here. And in some ways, the most difficult and most thankless performance because everyone else kind of gets to be cool for most of the movie until the very end. Like you get to be the cool fucking mobster and she is kind of the, the suffering wife, the person who's like dealing with all the repercussions. Um, but at no point does she feel weak in this movie, but she still feels like a real person. Uh, which is a really tough balance. And I think in a lot of ways, I think she's kind of the linchpin of this movie. Like if you have a lesser actress in this role, I think a lot of this falls apart and you're just entranced with how cool everyone is instead of it being something real with consequences.
2: Hmm. Yeah. And you know what? That's a... Another good point, Dave. You made three this month. Oh, man.
1: I like it. That's pretty good. That's uh, three out of six episodes. Half the time I made a good point. I'm okay. All right. So I think we're going to wrap this up and now talk about Scorsese in general, at least Scorsese so far up to 1990. So if you're introducing someone to Scorsese, what would you add based on these 10 movies? Is there anything you can tell them to expect or is it just so varied that it's harder to make that
2: call. Mm, I mean, it's probably going to be rare to find the person that's not going to have some awareness, even if they've not seen it of Goodfellas. So that would be the easiest one to say like, okay, Scorsese, here you go. Goodfellas. Um, but I think if they actually went through, uh, you know, they could go further. Um, so I mentioned, who's that knocking at my door was tell uh, box Bertha street scenes I'm not even aware of street scenes from 1970 um what what do we skip the last waltz yeah yeah I think we're good uh that's about it I mean this we didn't skip too much I don't think uh from his earlier years uh, yeah, so not much. save your- Save your complaints for next month <laughs> Have them for, I guess, next month when there's a, you know, there's a few big ones, big releases that, you know, just unfortunately this man, this man works and he produces a lot of great stuff. So absolutely, even with 20, two times the director that John Ford was, <laughs> <laughs> we had to skip some things.
1: I think like, so, yeah. you know, the only thing that really comes to mind with these 10 movies is I guess like he's really big on flawed protagonists. Like, I don't think there's a single protagonist in any of these movies. Who's like just a straight up, like this is the person who's easy to root for. Like even Alice, like she's got her faults for sure. And I think that makes for interesting films. I think if it's too easy to root for the protagonist and it's kind of like, you know, there's not a lot of gray area there.
2: Closest would be after hours, probably like if you can just say, Hey, this guy is just, you know, the, the, the accidental protagonist here that's just stepped in way over his head and didn't ask for any of this. I mean, you, you, the worst you said was he walks out on Rosanna Arquette, uh, just cause he might think that when she gets naked, she's no longer as attractive as what he originally envisioned. Beyond that though, pretty much every other interaction with people, you can't say he was really asking for anything. He just like wants to go home. You know, it's just this, <laughs> this, this strange version of the odyssey where it's just like, please God can I get back to my apartment in New York. Other than that, though, yeah, most of the characters have knowingly involved themselves in sort of like reckless or dangerous behavior, and they seem drawn to it. Even, you know what, but even in After Hours, the guy doesn't read the room as well as he should. So maybe he yes. does deserve it. There you go. See? So
1: let's just get to it. What is your favorite Scorsese movie out of these 10?
2: All right. You know, I've been burned on this a couple of times, so I need to ask you, like, because the last, the previous two months, you have done best and masterpiece, favorite. You know, we we get our little oddball picks in there, right? I mean, we personalize it, and then best and masterpiece. You have picked the same fucking movie. I'm not doing so, that are...
1: this month, I guarantee. Okay, you. all right, we're gonna I just get three. to get that out there. Yes.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, Scorsese gets three. Okay, I see. Get to... Technically,
1: he'll probably get six by the end of this. But yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah and then we'll, we'll go back and
2: do that all over again. Third time. Uh, my favorite, favorite uh, film of his. <sighs> I, I, th- I think it, for me, it probably is. <laughs> Strangely, it's Last Temptation of Christ. Um, this makes me so happy. This is. I don't think. Okay. I mean, I could, you know, I could see someone saying that's his best work, uh, if you're going by degree of difficulty, maybe, oh, yeah. um, I don't, I would, I don't put it in masterpiece category just because I, I still think that it's, if you gave it to someone, I don't know what you're getting in close proximity to it until we get to our second half and we get to, you know, silence, he kind of right. walks back into that territory, um, I just, you know, of all of his sort of troubled protagonists, um, why not go with Christ? You know, and look, I'm gonna get enough De Niro <laughs> and some and some other choices. So um I don't know. Like I, I think that it's not the most entertaining, but it's the one that I have like, you know, I have a full meal with it. And it's the one I enjoy like after I watch it, thinking and reading about the most mm-hmm. so even though i don't have the religious background it still feels like a strangely like personal pick to me just because mm-hmm. it's like i just sort of sit with it on my own um but it's not you know it's kind of messy like the, the sparseness like you could see like maybe if uh there was more financial confidence in the project you mm-hmm. might have got a, a bigger you know Epic film, but I actually think We're this is kind of glad time where it that works. they didn't. Yeah. yeah. I think it works better that way to keep it so low key. Uh, and I'm just a really big fan of uh defoe's performance here. Cause yeah. I think it's a fairly, it's weird to say, I think Christ, Jesus Christ is a fairly thankless role to be given yeah. and to try to make it interesting. So yeah, last temptation is my, my favorite pick.
1: And I also think that, you know, just to comment on that for a second, that sparseness of the film really hits home that loneliness and isolation that he's feeling. I feel like that would be difficult to portray if it's just like every shot is full to the brim. Like it just feels, it feels scary and terrifying and empty and it should. Yeah. So I think that. I can tell that you really what I somebody. thought
2: was going to be my pick though. I thought it was easily going to be after hours and Perfect. that was the one that fell, yeah, fell off. So the one that yeah. I was most looking forward to be like, oh, that'll be easy. Sit. Can't wait to revisit nope. that. Last Temptation, I was like, well, that'll be the difficult one. Oh. It's weird how that flips, Flipped so, yeah. yep.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. This is, uh, these picks are really hard for me because there's about three or four movies uh, that could be best, favorite, or, you know, masterpiece that you could easily flip back and forth between. I, but I think my favorite is Goodfellas.
2: I think that's the one I always go back to, and... <laughs> I love the way you, I think my favorite is Goodfellas, and like, any Scorsese fan's gonna be like, like the yeah, sort of, like respectful like golf clap like sure yeah, yeah that's that's fine you're not but, on dangerous territory But what yet. that means
1: is that, that I don't think it's his best movie. So sorry, super okay. So you're back down. on
2: dangerous ground. All yeah, right.
1: exactly. Um, but I, I mean, I think a lot of it is familial history. Like watching that movie with my dad a bunch, like that and The Godfather. So that it feels in a weird way. It's weird to think of mobster movies like this, but it feels like a comfort movie for me. Uh, even though it ends terribly for everyone involved. But I think a lot of it is because usually when I put that movie on, I probably watched half of this movie like a hundred times. Like I'll just watch the beginning when everything is great and like everything is cool. And I'm like, this is very enjoyable. But like the second half, of course everything goes downhill for everyone there, but it's still like you mentioned, like even, even when things go bad, it's still pretty cool. Like it's still pretty cool to watch. So, Mm -hmm. so it's something that I can put on in the background and, because I've watched it so many times, it doesn't always demand my attention, but just something like, you know, I know all the music beats to it. I know, I guess that's something we didn't mention with Scorsese that you can expect out of his films. A lot of needle drops in uh, in Scorsese's movies.
2: Look, so. I mentioned how much I love New York, New York. Was that enough music talk for you? I think that like yes. Yes. scarred you permanently <laughs> on plenty. that.
1: So uh, speaking of scarring me permanently, what do you think is Martin Scorsese's best movie early in his career
2: this is weird I, I only had like i legitimately only had like four things and i'm sort of like shuffling them around like for, like with your weird you know bullshit way of sort of expressing like how, how you get a bitch about this here. every month this is... <laughs> well it's just because um I, I think we've said it before probably on your uh you know previous podcasts that no one can find any what? evidence of what? of your previous hot takes on last temptation oh, of what christ
1: you're
2: talking about? <laughs> um a lot of this, too, you might as well just say, you know, where I am now. We do this recording right. like two years from now. Good know, maybe I don't respond strongly, you know, as strongly to the Last Temptation of Christ. I don't know. Uh I would say his best. Uh Alice doesn't live here anymore is what I think is wow. his best. Yeah. Gee. Uh Because. Yeah, I, I tend to my version of best, at least the way we've got it broken down is like. Have another director take that same story and whatever skill set they have, you know, can they make as much out of the material as what he did here? And I think it's very different. It's sort of an outlier for Scorsese um, with the the female lead. Um, you know, getting a, a single mother's perspective, not just the the great mom from the very supportive one from Goodfellas, who just wants Joe Pesci to find like a nice woman. And yes, you can borrow this huge knife, do whatever you want. <laughs> no with questions it. asked. <laughs> um, I also like that you know you are removing. Uh, I like that in this film that there is such a negative reaction to violence. Uh, in this, even violence that, as we said in that episode, that I kind of agree with. Like maybe the kid deserved to be reprimanded in that way. Um, and in particular, the Harvey Keitel character is an abusive person. Um, it is the rare instance where a character does not stay and sort of revel in this, this world of escalating chaos, uh, and instead leaves it like, you know, that I, we didn't talk about it in that episode, but Ellen person just gets the fuck out of there. Like, Oh, this is going to be a potentially abusive situation. Yeah, bye. No, thank you. <laughs> I have no ties to this. I am gone. um, You know, that review I read with Variety where they're talking about it's about like small people and small problems. Uh, I think you find that in a lot of his work, but it's in it's in big, strange, exotic settings. So Mm -hmm. Goodfellas is like an exotic, like lifestyle for most. Yeah, but Henry is a small person at the beginning of the film. He's just a neighborhood kid. Yeah, it's not out of bounds. But fortunately for Alice, she doesn't fall in with like the dream of being a gangster. So I think he brings like a very specific Scorsese sensibility to it, just in a very different setting. And I would that's why I would position this not as the masterpiece where it's like this is the most Scorsese you can get. But to people who have an idea of Scorsese, this is the one I would put up there and say, does this change your mind at all about mm. his capabilities and the stories he can tell? Right. So, and I also just thought it was, I just really, really loved that movie. This is a, a lot of five stars coming up, including New York, New York, Jesus a lot of five Christ. stars to go around. Good
1: lord! Uh, so my best, I, I don't think it will surprise people, but it surprised me uh, going in. I did not think this would be the best. And it's a movie we talked about that kind of, you know, changes how you view things depending on who you view a movie with. Uh, So Raging Bull, I think, is his best movie. And I that was a movie that, like, I think, when I first rated it on Letterboxd, I think, I I still gave it, like, four stars. I still really liked it. But it, you know, didn't come close to Goodfellas or Taxi Driver for me on first watch. Uh, But on second watch, like, it really got to me. And I think a lot of it is because I really do think, in a lot of ways, it's the work of a master. Like, there is no there's no reason I should care about any of these characters. There's no reason I should feel bad for any of them. There's no reason I should even connect with any of them on any level. And it's interesting because in reading the background of that movie, that's kind of how Scorsese felt when he was first tasked with making this movie. And the only way he found to relate to Jake LaMotta is like, he compared, you know, directing a movie and having the focus be on you, be like getting in the ring. And like every day is a battle and because you are the top of the line guy if a movie goes wrong it's on you and he, of course he was just coming off of you know New York New York not doing very well at all and bombing His masterpiece yeah. yeah i'm aware and bombing so he was very sensitive to that so and i feel like you can feel that and you can feel you can also feel the disgust at not only the character of Jake but the violence that he you know inflicts upon himself and upon the world i just think like, this movie is a fucking work of art. Like, it's incredible. Um, and it's something that now, having watched it twice, it is something that I feel like I will go back to. And when I watched it the first time, I didn't feel like I would ever need to watch it again. Uh, the only reason I did watch it again was for this podcast. And now I have, like, kind of a totally different view of it. So that, to me, is Scorsese's best movie. is Ridging Bull, the best movie of the 80s, uh, best movie of the <laughs> 70s, 80s, and 1990 for Martin Scorsese.
2: Uh, I like the uh, sort of glowing praise you're giving your own podcasts, like a podcast directed by a change in my, mind, my... out of you, Raging Bull. <laughs> it
1: did. So, like, let's get to it. What is Martin Scorsese's masterpiece?
2: You say that as if you know. I don't. A, I, like, a... never know with you. You are a wild
1: card. Okay. I don't know what's. you're a... just As figured... we've said many times, you're the lovable scamp. I never know what you're going to say. Mm. Could be anything.
2: Well, I just assume you're expecting New York New York because, you know, I I picked it up, you know. You did just call it up.
1: his masterpiece, half jokingly, so
2: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's uh it would lean more in this these categories and favorite territory for me just because That's what uh, I was expecting, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so the one that's going to be left off the list for me, I guess, of these three uh is Goodfellas. So oh. there there's a lot of angry people there because I could see it i could see it really in best masterpiece favorite you know all of them really mm-hmm. um and I mean, if
1: anything that just put... hammers home how great scorsese is yeah that, like there's like easily four movies on here that could be best or masterpiece and everyone would be like Yep, yeah, that makes sense like and yeah. there's not that many directors you can say that about
2: i really only had like you know i i went with the in my mind, the three standards for masterpiece Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, because I felt like any one of them, with my little definition, I could put this forward and say, This is, you know, this will give you a good idea of themes and type of characters you're going to meet along the way of Scorsese's filmography. Mm-hmm. And it's probably him working at the top of his game. I'm going to go with the one that I prefer the most. And for reasons of, you know, if, the, if there's an accusation that Martin Scorsese glorifies violence, then I feel like you know, Raging Bull just by the the act of you know conquering another man for, for money, basically. That's that's what he's there to do. Or goodfellas and that our main character that was the lifestyle that he sort of idolized as a youth. I'm gonna go with Taxi Driver because I feel it is the furthest removed from glorifying violence. Even though strangely it ends with the man being glorified for for doing just that. Um and I I like the disconnect uh because there is no family ties like with raging bull and goodfellas at least there's something like trying to draw these people together joe pesci is like a saint yeah. you know he is basically should that character from raging bull should be in the last temptation of christ for putting up <laughs> with his brother <laughs> like, you know, you're not he wrong he would have had an easier life following jesus around for sure uh, you know l- probably like less gray hair um all of that taxi driver for me it's hard to separate it's my introduction to Scorsese. Um, I like as I said the sort of isolating nature of violence that it's something that someone someone makes a decision you know far back before they have that act of violence where they lash out at society and it's something that they've kicked around in their head a lot more mm-hmm. like you you mentioned the scene in Goodfellas when we were talking about with Joe Pesci like where sort of the first time maybe the film sort of reprimands him for shooting a guy who like just sasses him like the, a guy that has just taking nothing but shit from Pesci. But what Scorsese does quite effectively is you see a guy sit with the idea of like, okay, this is what I'm about to do. Like, this is the person I am and what I'm capable of. Mm -hmm. And he knows it before he just lashes out. Taxi driver is like, what, two hours of that, of a guy coming to sort of a slow boil on like, yeah, this is exactly what I'm capable of. And this is what I want to do with my life. So that's a pretty dark uh, way to say this is the man's masterpiece. So, you know what? Watch New York, New York instead. Liza Minnelli sings right out of her ass. It's great. It's fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is the second month this has happened, Mike. Uh, but I agree. Uh, Taxi Driver is his masterpiece. And
2: I like how I just sort of like scolded you because I'm like, well, you could pick Goodfellas and Raging Bull and Taxi Driver and you got the trifecta. And That's look what you what did. I did. Dave. Yep. Look what you did. Absolutely.
1: Um... I think, you know, and it's interesting, I did have some shifts in my in my kind of rankings of his films, the ones that I rewatched, uh, but I, I'm betting if if you had asked me what's his masterpiece uh, before we watched these movies, I probably would have either said Goodfellas or Taxi Driver. Um, and Taxi Driver is a movie, it's interesting, like it's always been a five-star movie for me. I think the first time I saw it, I was like, I don't know, 14 or 15, uh, and it just kind of blew my brain apart, like in terms of like what movies can be. Because uh, I don't think I really realized, like, how how much depth these movies can have. And yet, every time I watch it, I feel like I get more from it. Um, so, in some ways, it improves. And in some ways, it stays the same. Like, it's always a five-star movie. But every time I watch it, I, I see something else in it. Um, and there are very few movies you can say that about. That you can re-watch it and get more from it. You can re-watch it and get different things from it. But... Usually there's like a point of no return where it's like, okay, I've gotten everything I can get out of fill in the blank. But taxi driver is a movie that even though it pretty much focuses on one guy for two hours, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of depth to it. You, even in the small moments with these other characters, you, you can see things from their perspective. Whereas the first time you watch it, it's all this one perspective, uh, because it is a very isolating movie. Um, and I think as you get older, as you grow out up being a teenager, you lose the kind of like what a badass attitude. Like, you know, you, you, you're talking to me, you know, you have that famous scene, but you realize as you get older, like how damaged and terrifying this man is and not cool in any sense. And it becomes very, very, the ending becomes more disturbing every time I watch it, like the way this this man is rewarded. doing something utterly reprehensible and if things had gone the way he planned he would have been a villain but because because people were doing their jobs he's a hero uh and so that says a lot about what scorsese thinks about how we how we view violent people and it's like you could essentially do the same thing as long as you do it to the right people you're a hero and if you do it to the wrong people you're a villain but that doesn't change who travis bickle is You know, and I think that's a really interesting way to look at the world. And especially at that time in that place, it really is this kind of incredible time capsule to 1976 in New York City. Uh, And I just think like if you if you watch that movie and you're not into it, Scorsese probably isn't for you. I mean, and that's okay if Scorsese isn't for you. But that's why not only is it honestly one of the greatest movies I've ever seen but really captures everything that Scorsese is. So that, to me, is Scorsese's masterpiece.
2: I mean, if you didn't dig that, you can check out his best work. Alice doesn't live here anymore. And you, <laughs> you, may, you may like that one, Dave. Like, mm-hmm. right, if you don't like Taxi Driver, you could like. It's a good point. Uh, uh, and I hear there's another one in uh, the 90s. It's gonna... so far out there. You may like that one, too. <laughs> we shall see
1: next month. Maybe. Um, so, Mike. Uh, speaking of next month, uh, moving on to you know more Scorsese, which is I know exactly what you want after watching <laughs> watching ten movies It's to move on to
2: more Scorsese. This was also like I think I started on so tonight's Monday. You know, for listeners, we're recording on Monday night. I watched Goodfellas on Thursday, and then everything else. Like Goodfellas was actually the first thing I watched because my wife. I had not seen Goodfellas, so I didn't want to make the Sophia coppola Lost in Translation mistake where I'm like, Oh, I'll throw in Goodfellas because I've seen it a thousand times. She's like, Oh, I've not seen it. So that actually became the movie night was Goodfellas. Nice. Uh and then over the weekend you sort of mainlined everything. It's a lot. And maybe that's why I had such a like, you know, Last Temptation is my favorite, because I understand what Christ was going through <laughs> as far as like, the, the voices of Scorsese and like carrying this burden. <laughs> Quite possibly. Um so yeah, we may we may not uh, do it as as fast uh, as the next time around. Yes. Uh, we may even have, uh, out of continuity, a break. We may be covering another filmmaker in between. Yes. Who knows? Quite possible. But what are we doing for next month? So next month, it's for going
1: to, things might shift a little bit depending on release dates because the the ultimate goal here, if it works out time-wise, is to finish this up with The Irishman, with with his new movie that comes out. Um, It feels like a legitimate
2: culmination, right? Yes. Bringing the band back together.
1: So if that stays true, we will be covering in our first episode, Cape Fear, uh, which will just be me and Mike cackling throughout the entire episode, I assume. Sure, yeah. (laughs) Much like our lead character there. Uh, And then we have The Age of Innocence and Casino, uh, Bringing Out the Dead and the Aviator, The Departed and Hugo, The Wolf of Wall Street and Silence, that'll be like, God, Wolf of Wall Street and Silence? That's like eight hours of movie. Like, that's a lot. That's a long one. That's a lot. And then we will finish up, hopefully, with The Irishman. Um, So that's what we'll be covering. So is there anything you're particularly looking forward to next month? Are there any movies in there you haven't seen? Or have you seen all of these? Because I know for me, the only one I haven't seen is The Age of Innocence. And The Irishman, of course, but...
2: Yeah, uh, I hate to uh, double up for our listeners, but that's also the only uh, the only currently available selection is *Age of Innocence* and of course *The Irishman*, because uh, we're not cool. We're not at the uh, well. Actually, has anyone seen it yet as of this I recording? Don't it's so. not, I don't think so. I don't think so. So it's you know a few weeks. New York Film Festival, I think. Yep. Okay uh yeah age of innocence um why because i actually i'm surprised with you winona rider period piece daniel day lewis i know me i have my obvious reasons winona rider um you would think piece.
1: i would have been first in line for yeah. that
2: but no nope. i actually have that one on my phone my iphone just as marty just would as like. he intended yes. you know so i can get little snippets at work um i'm strangely probably because i have mainline scorsese over a weekend. Uh Cape Fear, I'm not really looking forward to uh getting into the mucky muck with De Niro. Uh and you're talking about hyper violence then and terrorizing Oof. this family. Yeah. You maybe could say the same for Casino. Um I don't know which one I'm most looking forward to seeing again. I mean it, all right, I'll just be easy. I've been difficult with my love of New York, New York, and Alice doesn't live here anymore, throwing your curveballs, going with the Jesus movie. Um Wolf of Wall Street. That's fun. I'm, I'm yeah. most looking forward to to Leo being a total unrepentant jackass. How about that? Nice.
1: I think I'm looking forward to bringing out the dead. Uh, the most one of my favorite scorsese movie is one of my favorite movies in general but i've never had the opportunity to talk about it on our podcast so i'm, I'm looking forward to that oh great so, you're gonna
2: ruin another classic yep that is what awesome. i'm here for
1: so if you would uh like to hear us uh ruin more classics please rate and subscribe on on apple podcasts and follow us on twitter at directed by pod and give us your hard-earned money at patreon.com slash a podcast directed <laughs> couldn't even get through that without
2: breaking <laughs> Is
0: it real? Is it just me? In a white dress.